Senator Malcolm Roberts. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Mike. It's always a pleasure. You've been everywhere. You're a bit like the uh, the Leyland brothers, but wrapped up into this nice little bundle. <laughs> um, just quickly, where have you been in the last few weeks? We had uh, two to three weeks on the Cape York, listening to every Aboriginal community and every um, mixed community up there. So we went right around the Cape, um, startling. Um, no, I'll tell you about them one day. Uh, I arrived back in Cairns on Friday the 30th of July, left the next morning uh, for Brisbane, landed in Brisbane on the 31st and, uh, of July and found out that Brisbane was going into lockdown. So I had to be out of Canberra by uh, 10, by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, out of Brisbane, sorry, for 4, four o'clock. So we we're on an RAAF uh, government jet. The wheels lifted off Brisbane. Uh, airport at eight minutes to four, so I just mo- just missed that lockdown. Landed in Canberra, I was trapped, trapped in a in a quarantine there. So I entered quarantine there, <laughs> and, but essential work is allowed. So that Parliament's called essential work. I don't know why, but anyway. Um, and then uh, then Brisbane came out of lockdown, so I was allowed out of quarantine. But Cairns came into lockdown, so I was back in quarantine because I've been in Cairns. So the the lockdowns were catching up. So then. Um, uh, we then found out on the second day of sitting, second week of sitting, Mike, which is um, just last, oh, gee, what's today? Uh, last Thursday, that uh, that um, Canberra had a case, so the COVID case, so they went into lockdown. So I had to be out of Canberra by 5 p.m., so that's what we did. We madly rushed out of Canberra on Thursday um, by, by 5, and uh, I landed in Brisbane, and I'm in quarantine now, so I've been all over the place, and now I'm just stuck in one joint for 14 days. This is rubbish. It's complete rubbish. It is. It's a joke, uh, and it's noticed worldwide. But what about the the Olympians in, in Adelaide? Um, two weeks quarantine in Sydney, and then because of uh, the troubles they're having in, in Sydney, they fly to Adelaide and got to spend another two weeks in quarantine in Adelaide. So they fly out of Australia, do the Olympics, fly back, and they're basically, or not basically, they have uh, four weeks in quarantine. Um, it's just gone nutso, hasn't it? It, it has, and it, it's completely disrespectful. It's not based on data, and Adelaide highlights just how capricious these lockdowns are. I mean, what's going on? Uh, I was due to go to a conference in Darwin uh, just these these two days, yesterday and today, and uh, was prevented from going there because... Um, we, because, um, because I've come from Canberra where they had one, where, where they had one case just last week. And so I was banned from going to, uh, Darwin and then, um, two of our staff, one of Pauline's staff, one of my staff, they were still going to the conference to, to meet people and to, and to meet with, meet with some, uh, people outside the conference as well. My staffer arrived on the Sunday, on the Monday, she's getting ready for the conference found out Darwin's going into, Northern Territory's going into a lockdown. So she had to get out of there and come back to Brisbane. The staffer from Pauline's office arrived on the Monday morning, turned around and came home. I mean, this is just capricious, you know. And, and mm. then they put out, they put out uh, incentives to come for a holiday in Queensland. We'll give you a $100 voucher for anything. Okay, wonderful. But it's going to cost them $3,000 if they get caught in a lockdown. Who's going to come to Queensland under those circumstances? This is absolute rubbish. It's destroying the economy. It's anti-health, Mike. It's mm. anti-health. The PM has said no mandatory vaccinations for COVID-19, but it is <laughs> happening in this country at the hands of others, isn't it? Correct. 
the uh, the Constitution, I've had expert advice on the Constitution, and the federal government cannot mandate vaccines. Cannot. It's in the Constitution. So what it did in, when it comes to stealing property rights um, is the same thing it's doing here. It gets the state to, states to do its dirty work. So we've seen, first of all, the federal government want uh, wanted an aged care mandate for aged care staff to be vaccinated, injected. What they did was they got the states to do it. But in my book, that's still driven by the federal government by its own admission. So that's wrong. This, so that, that's how they're doing that. Then the state governments are now putting in place restrictions on border movement, which is also wrong. And then we've got some companies wanting to do it uh, under pressure from the government, some of them. Uh, and so we've got state government, federal government, and private companies doing it. And Mike, where are the unions? Where are the unions protecting basic freedoms? Where are the unions protecting health? Again, this is a health issue. We have, as I've said before, this is the first time in our history when governments have knowingly injected something harmful into their citizens while at the same time preventing citizens getting proven treatments and cures and prophylactics against the virus. That's ivermectin. Mm. So we have got the government pushing, putting this pressure. So Scott Morrison lied when he said they wouldn't be mandating vaccinations. He lied and he's lying still. Trickery probably at its best, a bit like um, Clouseau when he asked the, the hotelier, uh, does your dog bite? And the hotelier says, no. Clouseau pats the dog and the dog bites him. And Clouseau says, I thought you said that your dog does not bite. And the hotelier says, that is not my dog. So, so Morrison <laughs> says there'll be no mandatory vaccinations. He actually means there will be, just not from the federal government as he knows. The states will do the biting. About right? Correct. But that still means the federal government is doing it in my book. Mm. In 1996, John Howard wanted to comply with the Kyoto Protocol, the UN's Kyoto Protocol. And he uh, knew that if he stole farmers' property rights, which is what he and John Anderson and the National Party did, the Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister, they stole farmers' property rights. He knew that if he did it from the federal government, he would be up for compensation under clause, under Section 51, Clause 31, I think it is. So what he did was he went to Rob Borbidge, the National Party Premier of Queensland at the time, and did a deal with him to get the states to put in place um, vegetation clearing laws to basically stop farmers having the right to use their land. Then along came Peter Beattie and, and John Howard ramped it up. That was the federal government pushing the state government. We have it in two places in writing and also in Bob Carr's own words uh, over a YouTube clip where the state governments have admitted they're doing that, they did that for the federal government. So this, the federal government has learned you can fool the people and so they're trying to do it again. I want to come back to your Clouseau, um, Clouseau uh, joke just then, Mike. That symbolises not the humour of this issue. Mm. It symbolises the depravity and the incompetence. I want to remind everyone that in March last year, 2020, when the virus hit these shores, the number one lesson that everyone was talking about, including us and especially us, we led the charge, was the incompetence of federal governance for many decades had destroyed our independence. We are now a country dependent on other countries. 
due to shoddy governance over many decades. The last 18 months has reinforced that shoddy governance. We have had no data from the federal government, meaningful data, justifying any of the lockdowns, any of the injections. We've had no plan. It's obvious because instead of governments doing being united at state and federal level, we have, we've had blame being exchanged. We've had accusations. We've had lies. We've had uh, contradictions within their own, their own, oh, it's not management, their own mismanagement of the virus. They're contradicting each other, getting in each other's way, and the public are paying the price. And that is, we've had 18 months of absolutely shoddy governance, no plan, no accountability, and what we've got is typical governance in this country, which is just run from it, point to someone, blame someone. That's mm. it. Mm. That, that can't continue. Victoria, with uh, their curfew now. Um... Is this a, is this a, a 24-hour virus or just a, a nighttime virus? Uh, no, no. It's um, it will come out at certain times of the day. Ah, oh, yes. oh, no, right. No. And it's a, it's a real thing. I mean, this uh, scariant they're talking about, uh, and they are right. It's it is highly transmissible, and but they never mention that it is not at all dangerous if you do do the right stuff. For example, early treatment or whatever. If you have comorbidity issues, uh, if you're hitting. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, then you look after those. But the rest of the population doesn't need to experience curfews. The rest of the population doesn't need papers to travel from one area of town to the other part of town. The rest of the population, according to um, Dan Andrews, does, though, need to wear a mask when they're eating and drinking. So, Malcolm, you're a parliamentarian, you're creative. (laughs) How do they eat and drink with a mask? Well, I was told, let's just get get a picture of this. This is about conditioning. Mm. That's tasty, all it is. And tasty. It's conditioning. It's, no, conditioning. it's the, it's the uh, compliance mask or the obedience mask. We did a, a test here with a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Babak, and he was uh, showing us that with the vape, which is heavier than the particles of the actual um, of the uh, of the perceived virus, when he blew out this vape and it went through the mask, which it shouldn't because the particles are bigger, it, but it comes up the top, the sides, underneath it. So it does no good, does not work. Andrew Bolt says 47, uh, he's read 47 reports, uh, we're discussing before with the Dr. Vliet from the from Arizona, and she thinks he read the same report forty-seven times, <laughs> because it's it, it's an absolute lie. It's it it is BS. It's there is no truth to it. But you know all this. You know we're talking about you know the masks and stuff. Where's the debate or intense scrutiny from Parliament? Is there any? Have they all gone to sleep? Are they having an extended long lunch? It's worse than the lack of a, of a debate, Mike. I've been talking about the capricious use of lockdowns, dangerous for health, hurting people's health, and also destroying freedoms, and no justification. In fact, even the UN's corrupt, crooked, incompetent, dishonest World Health Organization says lockdowns are meant as a blunt instrument initially, and then only to get control of the virus. So what they're saying is that our state governments and federal government, by condoning lockdowns, admit they are not in control of the virus. Mike, it's really simple. They are not managing the virus. The virus is managing us. The virus is managing our governments. So 
that that's the first thing. The second thing is that, as I said a minute ago, the masks, um, they're a form of conditioning. And we were told in the early days of this virus in Australia, when there were no masks around or very few masks, don't worry about it. You don't need masks. You don't need masks with this virus. As soon as they started getting masks in, masks are absolutely essential. We've had the health minister in Queensland, Yvette Darth, um, front of press conference. Uh, she's clever. Oh, she's terrible. very clever. Yeah, fronted. She was a federal parliamentarian before that. She's now state MP, Minister for Health. Mm. And she was asked when she announced uh, lockdowns in Brisbane in January, I think it was, and then the use of masks. She came to the press conference announcing the details and a journalist asked her a simple question. If you're driving on your own, mm. a single driver in a vehicle, do you need to wear a mask? And she realized she'd been trapped, caught. And she looked, uh, uh, yes, there was no, there was no thinking behind that. Well, see, you're nothing, wrong. Nothing no. at all. There's nothing behind this damn thing. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, think of the poor guy on the air at a radio station and you've got somebody in the car without a mask. You might get it over the airwaves. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? It's hey. just, just the contradictions just abound. The stupidity abounds. But what gets me, Mike, is, is that um, it is actually worse than a, than than a lack of um, a debate. It's actually a suppression of freedom, a suppression of democracy. George Christensen, on behalf of the the people of his electorate, he represents them in federal parliament, the seat of Dawson, based on Mackay and Southern Townsville. He stood up and he dared to question the use of lockdowns. He dared to question the use of these. Anthony Albanese jumped to his feet, or someone in the Labor Party jumped to their feet, and then later on in the day, and moved a censure motion against him, or a motion of mm. condemnation or whatever it was. And the Prime Minister rolled over mm. the leader of the, of the government in the lower house, who's a strong person, Peter Dutton, rolled over. George Christensen was ex exercising his responsibility to the people of Dawson by spreading good, honest questions, holding everyone accountable. Mm. He was condemned. And the Labor Party couldn't believe their luck because this is typical with this prime minister. He doesn't get the facts. He blows in the wind. He's a weather vane wind vane and he jumps to what he thinks will be seen as the right position without getting the facts he condemned george christensen the labor party then in the senate the next morning moved a motion condemning george christensen in the senate and adding a couple of other people in there you know i was really disappointed mike mm. I'm, my name wasn't on there and neither were pauline after all the speaking out we've done we don't get we don't get slammed but anyway but maybe though we could say you know clouseau does your politician bite that is not my politician. <laughs> uh, That's true. Uh, George Christensen was condemned on the Senate mm. and, and um, only four people, including me, uh, and Pauline would have had she been there, but she was remote from Brisbane, but um, only four people stood up for free speech and democracy in our parliament. The mm. rest condemned George Christensen. Absolute disgrace. What about the aged care workers, though? How do, what, what do they think about all this? And and do they or anyone have any protection against forced injections? I mean, before you go, before we get to that one, I saw a reporter on Channel 7 
And the reporter said, those that don't get, this is the mainstream media or media now doing their bit, those that don't get the jab need to be forced into getting the jab, need to be grabbed, taken away and given the jab. I mean, what sort of country are we living in? And these poor aged care workers, and if they look at the results in Israel, they're going to see that it doesn't do much at all, love. So what? how do they feel? What do you think we should do about it? And is there a, a way out of this? Um, first of all, Israel. My understanding is that it's the most highly vaccinated country in the world, well over 60%, and some say even 80%, over 80% with their first injection and heading for 80% with two injections. And that's the theoretical target. Mm. They're now having 11 times the cases that they had just a month ago. 11 mm. times. Because they're finding out an Israeli health department study has found out and admitted that the vaccine efficacy, its effectiveness, is plummeting. Pfizer itself, the vaccine maker, is admitting that the vaccine efficacy its effectiveness is plummeting within just a month or two after the vaccination. Pfizer has requested authorization from the FDA in America, the Food and Drug Administration, authorization to have a third booster shot. Now, in Senate estimates, I asked our chief medical officer, the secretary of the health department, the federal health department, and the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Administration head, a very simple set of questions. First of all, is the vaccination 100% safe? No, was the answer. They could not commit to declaring it 100% safe. So I said, do you know the dose? Do you know the number of injections needed? Do you know the frequency? Do you know how many? No, no, no. Can you tell me if restrictions will be removed as a result of the vaccination? No. So what the hell are we doing? Mm. Why are we causing thousands of people's deaths in America? And I want to get to that point because that's where they're recording their deaths more promptly and quickly than they are in Australia. So we know that they're, they're killing people and yet we're injecting it into this country. Now, that's, that's the first point. The second point is aged care workers. You asked about that. Mm. Aged care workers, when we found out that Scott Morrison had broken his, since his, his strong, clear promise to not mandate vaccinations, we asked, and he mentioned it first for aged care workers, we asked aged care just for a simple post on, a, on our Facebook page saying, if you're in aged care and you're a worker in aged care, contact us with your thoughts. We were swamped. After 12 hours, Mike, we had to take down the post because our staff couldn't handle it. They were just swamped. Our staff was swamped with phone calls. People crying on the phone. Anger, frustration, despair, hopelessness, real concern, deeply felt. Some of my staff were so taken aback by the emotions pouring over the phone. We took that post down. The next day we said, okay, we heard you. Uh, they weren't complaining about us. They were very, very bitter about the government and about the governance of this country. So we put up another post and said, this time, don't call us. Send us your written statements, your testimonials. We have stopped at 800. We had to get in extra volunteer staff to redact 
the statement, redact the identification from these statements. We have compiled 800 and then we stop. That's enough. And we're going to be presenting them to the Prime Minister. The aged care staff, uh, we don't know what percentage, but they are appalled at this government's decision. We know that many Liberal Party voters, Liberal Party members have said, never again, I'm out of the Liberal Party. Mm. I've got a question for you, Mike. At the end of this mess, will the death of the Liberal Party be ascribed to COVID or suicide? Suicide? (laughs) You were fired up. You were fired up. You had three issues. Now, there are some of the issues that we haven't covered. What else, Malcolm? There are three basic issues that we're pushing. The first is that this is about health. Lockdowns are, are hurting people worse than the virus. Lockdowns need to stop. They're hurting people's health, mental health and physical health. They're hurting the economic health, which is going to be determining the future health. The second thing is truth and freedom have been destroyed in the name of health. Freedom is the most important thing when it comes to people's health. Free to get out in the sun. The important, free to get out with your family. Free to exercise. Free to get vitamin D from the sun. Mike, they're putting troops on the street in Sydney. They're putting police uh, in entering people's homes to question people. The basic, they've got security completely mixed up with safety. Completely. They have no clue what they're doing. This is security for an Australian, a breadwinner job, a family home that they can own, that they do own, family around them that can give them security and support. And number four is a lively interaction with the community and support from the community. Now, not everyone has to be a social socialite, but we get support and community from our workplace. Lockdowns destroy all of that. The third thing is absolutely shoddy governance. So we've we've got health is being sacrificed. We've got freedom being sacrificed. And it's all due to shoddy governance. Now, some people have accused me on Facebook, and I very quickly answered them, of being anti-government. Well, damn right I'm anti-government, because this government doesn't deserve any respect. The state Labor governments deserve no respect. What's happening is that there is no plan. When we passed through the parliament the, the uh, job seeker and job keeper laws uh, back in their single day sittings in, in March and April last year, I said, we'll waive this through because we'll be getting reports of tens of thousands of people dying in Italy, France, Spain, China. But we will come looking for the data, the plan, and we will hold you accountable. To this day, 18 months later, there is still no plan at all, no comprehensive plan. Now, what I've put forward to the chief medical officer in federal parliament in in, the Senate estimates was a seven strategy plan for managing the virus. I mentioned those. We can go over that one day, Mike. Seven strategies. And I said to the chief medical officer and to the secretary of health department, are any of my seven strategies not that should not be in the plan. No, they should all be in the plan. Are there any other strategies that should be in the plan? No, there aren't. So the federal government's chief medical officer, secretary of the health department, both have acknowledged that seven main strategies for a plan for managing this virus. I'm not Einstein. All I did was put my mind to it, ask the government for its own data on this virus, which you correctly say is highly transmissible, but 
is severity is low to moderate. And I came up with the strategies. And the health chief medical officer and the health department secretary have acknowledged them to be correct, but we see no plan. We know they understand, but there's no plan. Why? Mm. Maybe, though, there is a plan. Yes, this plan is about control. That's the only thing in their minds. Control through curfews, control through lockdowns, control through movement. They want to control our speech through social media. They want to control our speech in our federal parliament. They want to control our democracy. They want to put imposed restrictions on people. Movement, speech, thought, association, freedom to be with family, freedom to work, freedom for livelihoods. They... Look, Mike, I'm going to make it very clear. I am wholeheartedly and strongly supportive of medicines that have been tested, proven safe, proven effective, and preferably affordable. Mm. I am totally opposed to forcing untested, unproven drugs that have already got uh, deaths against them in, in Australia and overseas on people and particularly against them being forced at the risk of people losing their livelihoods. There's nothing more fundamental to a human than providing for themselves and their their family. That is being destroyed. That is anti-human. It is unconscionable. It is an absolute disgrace that we are calling ourselves a democracy when that happens. Senator Malcolm Roberts, always a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. 